You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Pharrell on the bench, the uh, White Sox closed the door and uh, won that game 3-2. Cover! The Padres tied up the Rockies. Uh, do I know how to pick them or what, that uh, game? Honestly, Carver High, that, like, I'm like, all I do is watch Padre games. They're always good, right? The games are always good. And sure enough, what do I do? I turn on the game, and what happens? First thing I see is a good game between the Padres and uh, the Rockies, right? My problem is, there it is. I got the game back on. I moved it back on because I, the, the problem is, I got to say, you know, the MLB extra inning package, you know, they, they number them by game, right? But they should number them by channel, right? Don't you agree? Why do I have to go looking for these games? Like every time I want to watch a game, I have to like go through all the games to find the game that I want to watch. Like I have to just keep clicking till I find the game, right? Shouldn't it just be list the games by channel so we know what channel it's on, you idiots? It shouldn't be, I have to go fishing for games, right? Like I'm trying to catch bass. I'm not making this stuff up, right? Like, I, I just now, right? There's a home run. Rockies take the lead again, 5-4. I mean, they are just flying out of course tonight, right here. This is all happening before my very eyes. I shouldn't have to go searching for uh, games. I should just be able to look at the channel and hit it, and boom. You know what I mean? I shouldn't have to be like, I wonder what channel it's on, or I wonder what channel it was on that I just was watching it, and I got to look through 15 channels looking for it. Honestly, I'm not that smart. S-M-R-T, S-M-A, S-M-T, is what? Coming back, Eric Asseltine, the voice of the Grizzlies. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. 
And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In With Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In With Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Pharrell on the bench. Uh, Eric Hasseltine is the great voice of the Grizzlies in Memphis, and uh, we thought we'd bring him back on the bench. He uh, called that game. Uh, I'm assuming he called that game today, right? That that crazy game. Uh, er- Eric, how's it going? Are, are you doing it from the arena by yourself? Like, do you even wear pants? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I, I have to wear pants. Uh, no, my partner Elliot's with me, but we also have uh, we added a new voice to our uh, pregame show, and, and it's a female, so not wearing pants or fiance might not might not might not approve of that. And uh, yeah. uh, we have a couple other young ladies that work with our media group that uh, I think those are those HR things that get you in real trouble these days. Yeah, I just want you to know that uh, I never wear pants. Uh, tell them, uh, Carver High, what do I wear year round, even in blizzards? It's basketball shorts, even in blizzards. We go to the television set in basketball shorts. That's it. Dude, and, I used uh, to watch you shoot hockey pucks down the hallway of KNBR on TV in the breaks and like the midnight. So I know, I know what you're about. I get it. I'm and I'm down with that. I am. I, I actually, our our new pre-app and post uh, young lady who's really talented showed up today like fully dressed up. I said, no one's gonna see us. You can wear shorts at school. There's no fans in the building. She said, thank you. Wow. That would really, uh, is it, it, let me ask you, is it creepy? Cause like I did a, uh, I did a broadcast at, uh, Jerry's world, uh, for the Spence fight and Mavi and I were the only ones in the stadium. Literally. I mean, there was no one there and it was, uh, so there was like a security guy that works, uh, you know, on the grounds of this gigantic spaceship in the middle of Arlington, Texas. And he's he's out and about. God only knows what he's doing, driving around like in a bad scene from a movie in like a golf cart, right? And uh, <laughs> they, they left they left us to our own devices, right? And I'm in this stadium, Eric, and I mean to tell you, this thing is enormous. And I was like, yeah, I said to my, there's like no lights on at all, just the just where we were doing the show, that was it. And then the rest, like all the halls were dark, and and they had like little, yeah. you know like hallway lining lights going like, you know, just so you could find your way down the hall. And I was like, and when I went to the bathroom, I said to Mavi, I go, will you go with me? <laughs> because I was scared walking around <laughs> yeah, the stadium by my myself. What was it like doing the Grizzlies game with nobody there? Well, our TV crew was there. Pete Pranica and Brevin Knight were, were there down on the court. They're set up. So there was a handful of people. The weirdest thing I think was, I didn't expect anybody to be, there's a suite level, like where people go into our, our suites. They're kind of on the first level. And that's my little secret area. My office is back there. And I know where the men's room's there. So I went there and like in between a break to, to go use the restroom before we started. And there's dudes painting the halls. I'm like, where'd these guys come from? Like all these guys are walking around, but there were actually some human, there was some human activity. I, what you just said reminds me of, 
I went to the All-Star Game in Philadelphia in 2002 because we had Paul Gasol and Shane Battier in it. And no one's in the arena. I was doing a radio show on a Saturday after practice. And Mariah Carey comes strolling in to do a little warm-up. And she freaks out because there's a janitor there. And she's like, hey, can you leave? I don't look my best. And I'm like, I'm over here talking on the radio. She doesn't say anything to me. She's worried about the janitor. I'm like, apparently I'm invisible. But I just sat there and got a free concert. So I was cool with it. It's a little different. Wow. I, you know, uh, that was a story. That story was on a, a really on a roll. Like I was, you know, I probably, <laughs> I probably would have said I slept with her if I did the story, just like I would have done, I would have done like a different spin to it. But I mean, you had me there for a minute yeah, that you, you were going to, her fans, like if you say that on your show, so many people listen, like her fans are going to get word of it. And I'm going to have like 3 million, like 15 year olds like they do with any of these pop stars just coming at me via Twitter or everything else, like threatening to bomb my house or something. You're probably right. You're probably right. So um, do you uh, uh, like uh, when you, when, when they came back to play and you knew that that was going to be your predicament, like you're mm-hmm. with your crew and your radio side, TV side. You guys are obviously on two different islands, right? You're doing the radio. They're doing TV. So you're worried about your product. Uh, did you guys talk about like, this is going to be freaky. This is going to be a little bit trippy doing the games. What was your initial reaction to it uh, as you being the voice of the team of, of how things were going to play out? Like uh, in the where you were going to do the broadcast, not on site. You know what? In all honesty, I, I talked with uh, I, I talked with my boss, our director of broadcasting, and I talked with Elliot Perry, who's uh, one of the analysts, and uh, we have another analyst that, that's actually taken a hiatus during this. Uh, but we didn't know that until recently. But we all talked and just said, "Hey, just react to it as best we can, like we're watching it in the arena. We don't always hear the fans; we see them around us, and they'll hear us during a game and kind of look back because our our seats now." Nobody in the NBA really sits courtside anymore. So you sit with the fans and, you know, on a platform or wherever, but they can hear you. And it, it's, it's fun to interact with them, fist bump when something big happens for your team. And I said, right. Hey, you know, we, we have to treat this like we're watching it in here. It, it was different. We had like seven monitors and then it's on the jumbotron and we've got the TV feed and the clean feed, which is about a half a second. Um, earlier from Orlando, but it was such a far camera angle that was, unless you really know the players, which we do, uh, you have, you can't, you you can't, you know, exactly see who it is. So then you kind of check, you're kind of checking different monitors. I think today's game, what made it easier. And honestly, Scotty was in all honesty was the fact that both teams played up and down the floor and, and it was a fun game to watch. And, and that's the fun thing about this young team for the Grizzlies is they've totally revamped what they've been for 20 years and become a modern NBA team playing up and down the floor, young athletic guys. And so that creates energy. I I felt like an idiot a couple of times screaming when John Morant went to the rim and made a big play, but I was screaming in all honesty. I feel like an idiot every night when I yell into the microphone. No, listen, when he had that, uh, when he had that alley-oop dunk that brought him like within, I don't know, they were closing in like they were probably five or seven down when they were down huge. Right. They started coming back. And when they were on that roll where they were catching up and they made it a game and then 
and John Moran had done nothing in the game. He had like two points. And yeah, I'm sitting time, yeah. there. Yeah, I was sitting there. Uh, I think I was doing Carver High. Wasn't I doing the TV show today when that game started? And I was like, they're coming back right now. This is crazy. Yeah, right when we were getting off the air at about six o'clock is when they were starting to come back. Right. And so I'm watching, and all I saw was Ja Morant flying through the air and dunking on that alley oop dunk, and he just threw it down. And I knew at that point that they were taking over that game. And I was freaking out because I I like him, right? Like, I like uh, Ja. And I want to talk about him with you for a minute. But before we get to Ja's greatness, uh, like, so I'm glad you're freaking out calling the game because I'm freaking out watching the game. (laughs) Like, I I don't think there's anything. uh, Are you kidding me, dude? When I did NHL play-by-play, I, I I freaked out so much they fired me. Like I don't I, I don't mess around. No, I, I love call it though. I love oh, podcast. Right. And I mean, I used to freak it so hard. Either? They they were scared to death, man. Isn't isn't that what we're paid to do though? We work for the team. We're not supposed to be unbiased. And I get that sometimes from people, and I'm like, hey, the the check that sign that I'm signed with is signed by the owner of the Grizzlies and his people. They want me to – I want to go 82-0. I don't want us to lose a game ever. It's never going to happen. But I, I want to be hyped up about our stuff, and I want to sound a little bit like a fan, not overly disappointed when they don't do well, but somewhat like, hey, that 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 wasn't fun. I'm, I don't want to sit there and sound like I'm calling it for the other team. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. And he is exciting. So I know we only have a few minutes, so let's talk about him. Well, listen, uh, I, I'm looking at your uh, broadcast setup, right? Because I wanted to see what it looked like. And luckily, because yeah. I follow you, and you uh, put up pictures today. And, uh, right? Like, I'm looking at all these, these pictures you put up. I think, I think it looks pretty cool. I see this uh, new chick working for you guys. What's her name again? <laughs> Jessica Benson. Jessica Benson. She's doing a great job. I see the photo of her. So that's awesome. Uh, we'll come back with uh, uh, Eric Hasseltine. I want to talk to him about, uh, I think John Morant is incredible, but I think that the media shafts him for Zion Williamson. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, uh, we're talking to Eric Hasseltine, a great announcer for the uh, Grizzlies. 
So uh, my point is, as I was going out, is that I get frustrated. I constantly say this on the TV uh, show and for on the bench, the radio show, that I think John Morant is, um, you know, for me, he's uh, he's the most exciting young player in the league. I think that uh, the way that guy runs and dunks and flies through the air, I mean, it's like, I, it's almost like Cirque de Soleil. I'm watching this guy, like, they're always talking about Zion Williamson all day, every day. I get it. I'm, I'm, there's no doubt the guy's a monster. He's a bull in a china shop. He is no joke. He gets it done, and, and he's impressive. Fair enough. But, I mean, the guy played a handful of games, and I get it. He's a badass. That's fine. But Ja was, you know, raking all year. He's a rookie of the year. He he's over well over a thousand points. Uh, the guy went off, and he didn't even get a you know finish his season. That's how exciting he was. And now, like today, I see him flying through the air. And I mean, when he dunked that uh, that loop, he literally looked like his chin was above the box on the glass. He was that high above the rim, like his chin was above the box. And I was like, holy shack. Look at this kid. He jumps like he's in. It's almost like he's on a, a wire. Like it's not even real. He jumps yeah. so high and so far. Do you think he gets shafted by the national media and ignored because all they do is talk about LeBron James and Zion Williamson and no one else? And they'll they'll sprinkle in a Tatum. Uh, they'll sprinkle in Ben Simmons and JoJo. And oh, they'll say, oh, Kemba's knee hurts. But they never talk about John Morant. I mean, it is a it's a crime. It's a felony. I, I do. I, I think sometimes I feel like that's my, my bias coming out. But I, I see what happens. And, and believe me, he does, too. He's always played with that chip on his shoulder. You know, his story is remarkable. I won't go into great detail about that, but you know, he was discovered by Murray State in a secondary game at a summer camp. The assistant coach called the head coach and said, I'm offering this kid right now. Then he plays at Murray, and all the talk was, do it against the big boys. He does it in the tournament. He gets in the draft. Should you take R.J. Barrett or, or, or John Moran? R.J. Barrett's a great player. There's no two ways about that. The Grizzlies knew right away. And I'll tell you this, Scotty. He had a, a scope procedure done um, before the season started. And we were told we weren't sure if he would start training camp. He did. And that first day, they did one of those three-on-two, two-on-one drills. Everybody's done playing youth basketball that you're doing just to get in a little bit better shape. He right. took an outlet pass, hit the Jets. And I looked at our television analyst, Brevin Knight, and said, that's different. And Brevin shook his head and said, thank God I don't have to guard him. So I knew right then and there we had something special. And I knew right then and there that, that, that he had a lot to give. And he's made plays throughout the year. He dunked on Aaron Baines. And Baines is a big guy. He jumped over Kevin Love. And if you watch the replay, he doesn't get rim checked. He hits the back iron. And he hits the back iron because as he's leaping over a guy 6'10", he looks down to make sure he's going to clear him. It's special. And he said, coming back into the bubble, that I feel better now than I have all season because my knee, knee finally feels 100%. I went, look out, because he's going to turn some heads. And he did today, like you said. They made young mistakes, like young teams will do in critical moments. And guys like Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum for the Blazers will make you pay for those. And Carmelo Anthony hit two big threes down the stretch. But I love the head coach's attitude and the players. The players were, were pissed off. They were upset. 
And the head coach said, hey, one game's not going to define our eight. We made some mistakes. We'll get better. Um, I'm just going to tell you right now on your show, Scott, I have a, a ton of respect for you. This team's going to be a monster for years to come. Their six, seven, eight-man rotation is pretty much set for the next three, four years. And barring any major injuries, they're going to be a major factor. And I think that's when you start to get the proper respect from the national media for job because he's going to do some special things. Uh, he's already shown me. So I play in the hood on weekends, right? I play, I'll play tomorrow morning and Sunday morning in the hood. And then I play, I play indoors on a Tuesday and Thursday mornings at like six 30. And I play with all these really, really, really good players. Right. Uh, I mean, incredible yeah. players that, you know, obviously aren't pro, but they're all, they're all college and high school stars, every one of them. And then when I play yeah. in the hood, uh, I'm like the, I'm like one of like two or three white guys that even have the stones to show up to play, uh, with these brothers. Right. And he reminds me of this cat that I play with. I tell the story all the time on the air. Carver High's probably sick of hearing it, but I play with his cat that is as fast as him. And he plays, uh, he plays pro in Germany. Right. And he's, yeah, and this kid has destroyed me in like league championship games. It, I played against him in a title game off the tip. He hit a 40 footer and I went, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> and and <laughs> I played with this kid. I played with this kid in the hood tomorrow and Sunday. And I mean to tell you, this guy runs like John ja Morant. And I mean, he's as fast as him and he passes like Magic Johnson. And I mean, he just snaps no looks into my palms under the basket as I'm cutting under the baseline and, and hitting uh, reverses and finger rolls and just absolutely just flick uh, buckets, hundreds of them, hundreds of buckets. He, this guy pours into my hands and it reminds me of watching that guy play. That guy makes me horny watching him play basketball, Moran, because he's so <laughs> fast and the way he sees the floor and the way he plays basketball. I live for that game. What I don't live for is their meltdown today. And I thought you described it perfectly, uh, yeah. those young mistakes. What I said was I was balling in my driveway, right? I'll, when I get done doing the TV show, I'll, I'll jack like a couple hundred J's in the driveway. And I'm stroking J's. And I, I went upstairs to grab a shower before dinner. And it, it went to overtime. And I got in the shower. I'm taking an ice cold shower. And I said, they're going to lose because of... CJ, Mello, Dame, Jerkic, they're all a bunch of veterans that know how to bury a young team in overtime. Tell me what happened to them, because I thought they should have won the game. They had the game. They were up big after they were down big. They had them by the throat, and then it was 124 all. What the hell happened? So it started, the first thing I would say is they did not close quarters. They cut it to five before, right before the end of the second quarter, and they gave up an open three. That pushes it to eight. They let Portland come out and score the first five in the third, so you're down 13. They go on a 32-8 to eight run from that point and go up 11. They get a little cocky. They're getting in transition. They make a, a mistake where it's a two-on-one with Dylan Brooks and, and John Morant. Dylan's trying to make a play, but instead of giving the ball up, he tries to ball fake take the layup, makes the layup, but took a stutter step to gather his balance, traveling two points off the board. They missed three technical foul shots. And I'll say this, I'm not trying to get on the officials. I thought they were a little sensitive about some of the guys getting hyped up about the game to the point where on the broadcast, I even called one of them out. I said, hey, it's an emotional game. Let these guys yell. I said it for the when the Blazers guys got teed up. I'm like, that's not a technical foul. The difference was when the Grizzlies got teed up, the Blazers made them. When the, when the Blazers got teed up, the Grizzlies missed them. Three points off the board right there in regulation. And then when they came out in overtime, 
They they used a, a tip in by Brandon Clark, who also if you watch our team, you'll love him too, Scotty. He's got bounce. I like that young man. I like to get off the deck in a hurry. Yep. Yeah, he, I love he's it. Really fun, and he he takes good shots, and so he tied it up. But down the right. stretch, they just got they got disconnected at the end of the fourth, and, and and from Carmelo Anthony, who hit two corner threes, and you know put them put the Blazers in a position to win. The Grizzlies tied it, and then. Missed their opening possession after winning the tap in overtime, and the Blazers come down and hit a three. You come back, try to go one-on-one to get back into it. Not a great situation. They double, triple team, give up another open three uh, because you're, you're, you're hustling to get back after one guy tried to do it all. And I think that's sometimes the rut this team gets into. So, right. you know, you got to make those – you got to take advantage of the opportunities when you have technical foul shots and, and turnovers. And then at the end of quarters, you just can't give up open looks. And they did that, a couple of them this time. And then out of the overtime, you could just see that McCollum and Lillard just flipped that switch. And we'd seen that a few times this year. And that's where we still go, okay, we, we know it. Because look at what happened with Denver last year. They missed the playoffs so many years in a row by a game, two games. They were winning 46 games, not making it. Well, then they go and right. a number two seed. They get in the playoffs. And all of a sudden, they're going, wait, this is big boy basketball. And they get bounced in the second round because they're not sure how to get through these moments where you've got to execute and you can't make little mistakes because you get they get pounced on. That's why the time when the Grizzlies with that grit and grind group, and that's why the media doesn't pay attention to this organization that much, is they won ugly. It wasn't fun to watch for other people other than fans of the Grizzlies. And outside of Tennessee, there's not a ton of them. And so they're not on national TV. But they got to the Western Conference Finals, played San Antonio, and every mistake they made, the Spurs made them pay. Every mistake the Spurs made, the Grizzlies didn't. They got swept. Spurs went to the finals. And that's what happens. And, and these, are, these are playoff games. I mean, for eight games, the Grizzlies have to win to get into right. the postseason. They had a three-and-a-half game lead. And I'm not going to say I love our guys to death, and I understand they feel a little slighted. But you got to win to get in. It's a big boy league. They had a 17-game stretch that was going to be tough, so I want them to win and get in. So now they got to take these seriously. I expect them to come out Sunday against San Antonio fully charged and ready to go. Well, uh, I'm sure they will. Uh, listen, you're incredible. Do you have to go to bed right now, or do you do you have to go, or do you want? Because like you're sitting, like I'm sitting here. This is better than having sex talking basketball with you. Like I'm honestly, like I'm <laughs> over here, like I got goosebumps. Like, do you have to go? If you do, I I got I can appreciate it because I I got a break here, and otherwise I got to let you go. Because if you can stay for a few more minutes after the break, I I got more questions for you. If not, we'll get you next time. It doesn't matter. It's up to you. No, dude, I'm I'm all hey, I I'm I'm here for you. Take the break, let's do it. I, I hosted the show. All right, let's do it. I hosted the show with listening to you. I I love it. I love Hazeltine. No, uh, Carver High, what do I got? Ten seconds here? All right, so we'll come right back with Hazeltine. I want to ask him another question that's gonna be very sensitive about Carmelo Anthony's ass. So uh, Carver High gets sick of all my basketball stories and he wants to kill himself because he loves hockey, but I love hockey too. So he <laughs> can't kill me. He can't kill me because he knows how much I love hockey too. So, but I play ball, right? So I play, as I said before, I play in a hood on weekends and I could get shanked, shot, stabbed. I could get offered crack. I could get offered prostitutes, all of it when I'm playing ball. Right. And, um, 
and the cool thing is because the last thing they want is some white boy coming in there thinking he's going to get the pill yep. and do anything with it. And I go uh, straight to the hole and I finish. And then I like daggering game winners. I like daggering from 25 in your face and finishing a game and saying nothing, just walking off the court and looking for a camera that's not there. Like the guy that walks away after he yeah. hits the big shot, he didn't even say anything to anybody, right? But my question is that, and that's my game, I score. So once I once they knew I could play, then they let me play. And now I'm cool with everybody, which is what's right. beautiful about it. It's not about white or black. but. Uh, the one right. thing that's happened to me, Eric, is that my ass has gotten big, not like tractor trailer big, <laughs> but like Carmelo Anthony big. Like, you know how when you get older, yeah. you can see he's got that big caboose ass going where he used to have yeah. he used to have just a pure, strong, athletic legs and, and a tight ass. And now he's got that old man, big, long hipped ass. And I got that going because when they film me playing at uh, when I play in the high end gyms in the leagues with mafia, we play against really good players and they film the games and I can see me running down the court like a duck. Cause I'm 55, <laughs> but I, I can still ball <laughs> like I'm 25, but everybody goes, man, he runs like a duck. He's got broken feet and he's got a big fat ass. <laughs> and, and I, I don't really have a big fat ass, but I think I have a mellow ass. Have you noticed that his ass has changed over the years to like an old man, big hipped ass? He's gotten bigger, but you know what? He's dropped some weight. And I'll be honest with you. I, I was very skeptical of them signing him in Portland. He's played great for them. He played great today. His thing in Houston was a disaster. Obviously, he's gone through other things. The, the guy can score. He, he's he's the Scott yeah. Farrell of the NBA. Puts the ball in the bucket. He can shoot. And, uh, you know, I get it, man. I, you know, I, I once played in a pickup game with uh, White Chocolate, Jason Williams. And oh, uh, inadvertently stole the ball from him. He was not happy. And so he hit a 35-footer, and as he launched it on a short court from the opposite free throw line, basically, as he launched, he said, go sit down, because it was the game winner. And I just started walking off oh, the court because I went, that's how good that guy is. And yeah. here's a funnier story. I ended up guarding Bill Winnington once, and we'd still tell this story because Bill's working for Chicago. Huge. Scored on him, and he said that was a mistake, and he took that big old man rear end backed me under the basket put the spalding on top of my head looked at me and said are you going to score on me again and I looked at him and said, dude i'm like five nine and i scored on you don't get mad at me like congratulate me right so when i play against these dudes i have to make them laugh otherwise they'll yeah. kill me right like so <laughs> i have all kinds of i have all kinds of funny lines that i use because i don't call fouls and I, but I do foul yeah. and I'll foul you and you'll know I foul you like Mahorn lame beer style. I'm a, I'm a, uh, I got six. Yeah. I'm going to give you one and remember. And then they'll, uh, you know, they'll get all crazy in my face and I'll be like, this ain't sugar in here. This ain't sugar. <laughs> That's, and then the other time, <laughs> the other time I'll give one of these, I'll give them a, they, they get scared. And then I give him one of these. I go, "Is ain't valet parking down here at South Park. Nobody's <laughs> parking your car. And then they look at me like I'm crazy. And then I go, I brought lollipops. They're in my bag. You want some candy? Because I know how soft it is in here. Everybody loves lollipops. Because I every time I felt they're like, man, you got get your hands off me, Pharrell. Get your hands off me. I'm like, bro, you come in here. I'm going to steal your girlfriend. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal you. I gotta girl. get you down to Memphis to play in some of the games here. There's some, there's some good pickup games around this city. 
I've had to sit out for a while because of uh, hip replacement because we all get older, but I'm going to get back in there. I got some guys you need to come play with. I'm ready, dude. I'm, I'm, I can still like, it's like people think what is going on with this dude? Cause I'm the, a lot of them call me grandpa and old man and old man strength. And uh, they all know what happens. <laughs> they all know once they play with me, then it's there's no more talking. I'm not a, a talker, but I'm a giver, right? Like so, just like I said, if you want to start getting violent with me, I'll give you something to remember. And then I don't say nothing when I'm <laughs> when I'm dashing, when I score. I don't say nothing because I know I'm not uh, in a safe place. So it depends on who I'm playing with, right? Before you start opening your mouth, let me ask you this question: When they were down in the game. And it was, uh, and Ja wasn't scoring at all. I was on the show, and I said, I, I think, I think Portland's figuring out a way to beat Memphis. It shut him down because nobody else was doing anything. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Jaron had a huge game. Clark had a big game. They all started playing really well after that fact. But when they were, when they were really sucking wind in that game and getting their ass beat, it looked to me like shut him down, and they couldn't do anything without him. When, when he wasn't going, they didn't seem to have their uh, swerve. He he got off to a slower start than I expected because, you know, they had the three scrimmage games and he ramped it up each game. And there was a lot of talk about how he's going to be more aggressive because in the early, throughout the, you know, first three, four months of the season before we had a hiatus, he was very cognizant of trying to get his teammates involved early on and he would take over in the fourth quarter. You know, a rookie is in the top five in fourth quarter scoring. You don't see that often, but it shows his ability to take over a game. And so – I, we were kind of looking at each other between Elliot Perry and I who played 10 years in the league and was one of Charles Barkley's favorite teammates. And, and Elliot kind of shook his head. He goes, he's got to, to start going. And I said, all right, let's see the second half. But that was a problem. Jaron kind of kept him close. The other problem was Jonas Valanciunas got some, some cheap, silly fouls that, that took him out of the mix. And they were putting the, the Portland bigs, getting Nurkic back and Zach Collins back in foul trouble. And they weren't able to exploit that because Jonas was on the bench. So, once he got going, you know, he got his 20 and, and, and 11 assists. But, you know, that, that game could have easily been, I thought, a 30-point game for him. But I don't know if it was just, you know, the, the, the way Portland defended at first or he just didn't feel like he had the rhythm right off the bat. But I think he only took two or three shots in the first half. And for him to take that next step, he's got to recognize some mismatches a little bit earlier. And, and I'm not knocking the kid for it because he's, he's, a, he's a fantastic student of the game. He cares so much about being great, and, and that's why I think he's going to be great because you get some of these guys, and you and I both know, guys in the NBA, they got extreme amounts of talent, and there's a fine line because between guys that are just going to be really good and guys that are going to be great, and then there's another little fine line between guys that are going to be top-tier, memorable stars, and I think he's in that group of memorable stars because all he wants to do is, is be the best. And, you know, that's where I think he'll win that national media over. He's, he's dedicated to his craft, but now he's got to learn. Sometimes it's okay when you're at that level to be a little bit more selfish, to be the guy that, that takes the ball to the rack and, 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 and tries to dunk on a guy in a situation, but pick your time. And, and when he got it going, when they went on that 32-8 run, he, he virtually looked unstoppable. That's when you saw that dunk. He glides to the rim. He had a, Right, left-handed layup against Miami in the final scrimmage that I went, oh my gosh, like how do you even do that? He he, he basically scooped around, I think, Bam out of bio, or it was either Myers-Leonard, it was one of their bigs, and made it look like those guys were my height. 
and he just hung in the air. And I'm like, this is just insane. And his vision, as you know, a point guard's court vision isn't teachable, and he's got it. He's just got it. That's it. And, and he finds guys, and he does a little goggles move. And his teammates, like you said, your, your guy from Germany hits you in the hand. Well, probably the first couple times it hits you in the face. Because you're not oh, ready yeah. for it. Now that you're ready for it, you're dropping buckets, and that's what his yeah. teammates are starting to he do. Snapped, he snapped my hands a couple times where I couldn't even see it coming. <laughs> it was so it was so fast and so yep. uh, brilliant. I said to him at one point, I won like 11 straight games with this dude, and I said to him when we were leaving, because he knew me. He had schooled me. I mean, this guy's so fast. Like, I'm 55, bro. I have zero lateral speed at all. I go up and down and finish like right. Dirk. I mean, I just finish. And I, you, you get me on a two on one or a three on two, I finish. I'm a, I, I got the finger rolls, the whole deal. But I can't go laterally, right? And um, right. that's it. So a guy like him will break your onions. Let me ask you this question though: um, Is Jaron? I've never seen Jaron shoot like that. But you know, he has shot well from downtown he's he's like almost 39 percent uh shooter from downtown and like 48 plus uh from the flow just to begin with i mean jaron jackson's turning into a stud he already is and no one knows it like but i thought today he like went off i mean i thought he had the best game hands down and he had some big giant dagger threes yeah, he's he's really got a. Uh, it's an awkward shot, looking you know aesthetically, but it's a quick release. And he came in wanting to be, uh, as he said when he got drafted, he said, "I want to be the best defensive player in the league, and my offense will come." Well, his father, you know, was undrafted and stayed in the league because he could shoot. So even though he said all the right things in the back of his mind, he knew that if he could make jump shots. He would, he would be able to stick around. And obviously then a 6'11 frame and he gets bigger and taller and stronger. And both of these guys, between John and Jaron, they're barely 21 years of age. We were on a road trip, Scotty. We're in the hotel lobby and they see me and uh, our TV sideline guy, Rob Fisher, come back in and we might like to go uh, tap a few, uh, a tap a few right. after a game and have a few right. beverages. And they said, hey, where'd you guys go to eat? And I said, well, there's this great, oh wait, you guys can't go. You have to be 21. And you realize how young these guys are. And then you think about how much more man strength they can get and how much knowledge they're going to soak up. And you're just like, my gosh, how much better can they get? And where I've seen the biggest development in Jaron in the offense is putting it on the floor. He goes and watch the next time. Watch him finish around the rim with his left hand. He's right-handed. And he goes up with a soft left-handed hook that's virtually unstoppable with his wingspan. He gets that down to where he's confident making those moves in the post and gets a little more aggressive on the rebounding window. You're talking about a guy that, that can go 20 and 12 easily any given night. And with right. the ability to make threes, it can go to 30 and 12 in a hurry. He, you know, I, this kid I play with, he does the whole deal too. He drives. So he gets by you so fast. It, it doesn't matter who there could be a 20 year old. It doesn't matter who guards him. He, he eats him alive. And then he right. goes. And once he gets airborne, uh, he does the MJ starts flipping hands. He'll go from right to left. He'll go from left to right. He'll, he, mm-hmm. you know, it depends on which side he wants to go to. He'll do a, a, a window Jimmy kiss with like a spin on it uh, underneath. I love that move where I go all the way under and flick it. And I can, I can reverse it from either side. This guy does it by changing hands. So I'm always working on trying to get my left going. I am left-handed, but I shoot right. 
and I, but I can use the left hand for all the Jimmy stuff under the, under the basket and, and uh, off to kiss. Yep. So uh, I love watching guys that can uh, switch hands and use the other. Larry Bird used to do it all the time. Uh, use both oh, hands. Yeah. Most guys are very numb to that. They don't, they don't uh, use the other hand. Eric, you're a badass. I love talking hoops with you. We'll get you on uh, for sure throughout the season. Hopefully you won't freak out or anything, not traveling uh, with the team to all these games and everything. Uh, I know you're doing a great job calling them from Memphis. You're awesome. I love having you on the bench. Uh, we'll try to do it more often uh, during this uh, pandemic. Hopefully they'll keep playing. I think they will. I think they've done a great job. It's a pleasure having you on. Have a great weekend. I love you and uh, keep up the good work, brother. Always a pleasure, Scotty. Thanks for having me and I'm here anytime for you, brother. My man, uh, Eric Hasseltine, the great voice of the Memphis Grizzlies with us on a bench tonight. Uh, how about this game? Uh, Dallas up with uh, 3.9 seconds left. They're up three on the Rockets. The refs have a whistle blown. They're trying to figure out whose ball it is or something like that. I have no clue because I've been talking to Eric. But I know that uh, the Rockets are down three with just under four seconds left. If the Rockets get the ball, hopefully they get a, a last shot. on the bench just like portland tied it and and ended up you know catching memphis and going to overtime and beating them uh, the rockets caught the mavs and harden got fouled uh, beyond the three-point line he, he shot two the first made it they're down two and he shot the second free throw and missed and covington came flying in and somehow got his finger on it and tipped it in and it fell and they tied the game. The Rockets tied it at 139s. Morenzi's up next with Sports Rage. Did you see that tip in, Morenzi? You know, just when you don't think uh, things can get any crazier in the NBA, here we are uh, once again. It's amazing how close uh, these games uh, have been. Normally, it's the Houston Rockets that are blowing uh, a lead late like this and falling apart, but it's their uh, Texas counterparts uh, this evening craziness in the bubble tonight i mean you got to be kidding me how did he get his hand on that with uh you know porzingis and the rest of him he's seven foot and 50 and and how do you get in there that badass to get that tip in is just absolutely that's what the game's all about a guy he ends up in double figures and the guy's in the glass and gets that hard and miss in and now they'll go to overtime and you know what happens then like they're probably going to get it done now right after you catch them just like portland did did you watch that memphis meltdown yeah you figure they would except the nba is just so damn illogical <laughs> you know i don't know i almost give up i've cashed two tickets i had the over 231 in this game coming into it then it was insane i took the in-game over 267 and a half I'm hoping the Mavericks can find a way to uh, to win this game, but I wouldn't be shocked considering I have them that I'm going to be on the wrong side of a meltdown. I hit the I lost the Grizzlies. Uh, they they melted down, like, but I hit the Magic, Suns, Bucks, Spurs, and I got the Rockets going here. So uh, I'd love to see them get it done. Have a great show, Marenzi. Have a great weekend. I'll see you uh, Monday on Coast to Coast. Carver High, great job. I'll see the rest of you freaks. Uh, have a good weekend. Monday on Coast to Coast and I'm for all on the bench. Good.